unpopular opinions, a healthy dose of introspection, and a few laughs, this is the recipe for becoming our best selves. Welcome to the Socially Misguided Podcast, a show where we hold space for growth by empowering each other to have tough conversations. I'm your host, Sarah Villarreal, and while it may seem like I have it all together, I'm trying to cope with living in a culture of impossible expectations and harmful ideologies. So if you felt the same way, then this is the place for you. There's a lot to unpack, but remember, we're in this together. Welcome back to another episode of Socially Misguided. So if my voice is a little off today, we have been sick for like two weeks and everyone's feeling better, but it's just that really annoying, lingering cough, lingering drainage, which I know is really gross, but it's just, I hate that the symptoms last like a month after everyone's feeling better. So if you can hear it in my voice, that's what that is, but I am so excited to be recording this episode today because it's a little bit of a full circle moment. So we, at the time I'm recording this, not the time you'll hear it, but at the time of recording, we have just passed our one-year mark, and my very first official episode was about how filters are bad for our self-esteem. And today, because of the recent buzz with what is being proposed in France, And in light of the controversial new TikTok filter, I wanted to talk about filters again. And, you know, as I didn't plan this at all, it just kind of happened out this way. But as I'm thinking about this and thinking back on a year ago, I'm not even sure if I feel like we are in a better position or a worse one. You know, on one hand, I think it's great that we're having so many more conversations There are so many more studies being done. There are so many more content creators talking about the harmful aspects of filters and editing photos. At the same time, our technology is getting so much more sophisticated, which again is why I want to talk about that TikTok filter later on. And so I don't know, are we just like netting out to zero or are we making progress? I'm not really sure. But so in terms of what France is proposing, have you heard about the law that they are talking about? If not, France is talking about making a law that would make it mandatory for influencers to disclose if they've used filters or editing apps or altered their images in some way in paid partnerships. There's also talk of them maybe preventing promoting cosmetic surgery in these paid partnerships. So from what I'm reading, penalties could include a fine. And then I've also read some something on if you don't comply, you can be banned from the platform. So I don't know if that's just purely from like a monetization standpoint or if that's um, from a personal standpoint. But I mean, they're France is taking this really seriously. And they have stated that their goal is to limit the destruction of the psychological effects this is having on people. So I wanted to ask you, if the U.S. decided to adopt some kind of law like this, how would you feel about that? For me, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I think 100%, if we are using a filter or an editing app, 
I think there should be some kind of disclaimer somewhere on there, like a watermark at the bottom or I don't know how they would do it, but I think that we should be disclosing when we are using Facetune or beauty filters or, you know, editing our body in these, I don't remember what they're called, but the apps that, you know, you can change the size of your waist and change the size of your hips and lengthen out your legs. And I know France is talking about mainly going for influencers, probably because that sector is more or less regulated than other sectors. But honestly, I think that we need this across the board. So whether you're an individual, average, ordinary person like me, or you're an influencer with a large platform, or you're a celebrity doing some kind of endorsement, honestly, I think that this information needs to be disclosed at any level. Because we have gotten to this point in AI and technology that this is really damaging and it's become so normalized. So obviously that would be super hard to regulate. That's a whole nother conversation. I have no idea how they would actually implement cracking down on this. But I mean, I really don't think it's a bad idea. And if they do something to that effect, I hope that other countries follow suit. So as for the cosmetic surgery part, this is where I have really mixed feelings about what France is proposing. And again, all this is in the proposal phase. None of this is like happening at the moment. But, you know, I kind of like the idea behind this, you know, banning influencers on paid partnerships from promoting cosmetic surgery. And I know that's super, that's a super unpopular opinion, but I like that idea. At the same time, I do think it's maybe infringing on some rights. So I don't know that that's like the most ethical thing to do at the same time. And I'm definitely, you know, as much as I have my own opinions about how damaging this is, I think we have to be careful. You know, I don't want to be the person that's telling women what they can do with their bodies, what procedures they can get done. Like, that's not my place or the point of this. Um, I will say, though, I think for younger people, um, I think for people who are not adults, I definitely think that they should not be exposed to influencers who are promoting um, cosmetic procedures, plastic surgery, that kind of thing. You know, at that point, we're talking about people whose frontal lobe isn't even fully developed. I don't think that happens till around 25-ish. So it's that's really, I think, dangerous for these kids to be seeing these images as normalized and then aspiring to look like these people who have really bought into and monetized the things that beauty culture is teaching us. You know, and this is where this conversation gets so much more nuanced because, again, you know, this whole proposed surgery thing gets really complicated because people should have the right to do to their bodies whatever they want to do to it. But I think we have to have really honest conversations about how harmful this has gotten. And I know I'm going to get shit for saying this because that's not a popular opinion. It's definitely not what people want to hear. But the more we see this, especially from people with these large platforms talking to lots of people, they have a lot of power to wield, you know, the rate at which we're consuming these kind of images and these kind of messages is hurting us. And just to clarify, I'm not talking about reconstructive surgery. I'm not talking about breast reductions or anything like that. I'm talking about surgery that is purely aesthetic and completely in line with the impossible and extreme beauty standards of today. So again, when influence and celebrities promote these kind of procedures, as much as they have a right to do that, and they do, 
I think we have to have more conversations about the other side of this, which is anytime that's done, we continue to endorse this toxic beauty cycle we all find ourselves trapped in. And we don't live in a vacuum, so our actions do impact others, especially if you are at a level where your circle of influence is 100,000 people, 200,000 people, a million people. And I know these kind of procedures have been around forever, but I think before it used to be like a slight little modification here and there. Now we're at a point where the dominant aesthetic is to intentionally look like you have had a shit ton of work done on your face. And these beauty standards are rooted in sexism. They're rooted in, they're rooted in racism, classism, ableism. And I have a lot more to say about, you know, racism and westernized beauty in the second half of this episode, but we are basically now using our face as a billboard to broadcast all of these ideas or at least uphold them in society. And I know a really big counter argument to this is people saying, yeah, but that's a personal preference or you shouldn't be judging that person or they have a right to do what they want. And yes, those things are true. And I want to push back on the personal preference opposition because I think it's important to point out that we often don't take time to consider where our personal preferences come from. So if we're talking about beauty standards, we don't know a time. Our moms don't know a time. Our grandmothers don't know a time. I mean, we can go way back into, you know, the Renaissance era. We can go back into with, you know, corsets. We can go way back into the 50s with the bullet bra, which then kind of evolved into more of like a push-up bra. You know, we can talk about a generation of moms who lived off of SlimFast. We can take this in so many different directions, but our personal preferences have been shaped for us. So for so long that I don't even think we're consciously aware of it. And that's the whole point of this podcast. This is not, the point of this is not bringing this up to make you feel bad. If you like to get these procedures, if you have done these procedures, that is not what I'm trying to do. I'm just trying to get us to take a second look at why we're doing this. And so I want to throw in a few stats that back up what I'm saying, because I know for some people listening to this, it might sound like I'm being really judgmental or just really dramatic in general, but our buy-in to these beauty trends and this beauty culture shows up in our spending habits. It shows up in the support that we lend to the industries that uphold these standards. So for instance, there's a stat from the American Society of Plastic and Reconstructive Surgeons, and it was talking about how in 2020, around 230,000 cosmetic surgeries and around 140,000 non-invasive cosmetic procedures were performed on teens from 13 to 19. I think it should be mind-blowing to anyone, but especially me as a mother who has a nine-year-old girl, like we are on the cusp of her, I mean, I hope not, but we are probably on the cusp of her starting to internalize some of these negative messages she's going to receive about her body and about her face and about what she should look like or could look like. That honestly scares the shit out of me, and it honestly should scare the shit out of you. And that's, again, why I'm saying that I don't think we can take France's proposed law as as far as they're talking about taking it when it comes to adults. But I think there are studies out there like this that prove why we need to censor more of these images for our kids and teens. There's another study that talks about how for teens, there is a link between negative body image and eventual depression. 
So we all know what it was like to grow up in with impossible beauty standards. I mean, if you grew up the same age, if you're around the same age that I am, you know, this was the time of Britney abs and Victoria's Secret models and the preferred body type was boobed on a stick. And there was a lot of dangerous messages around very disordered ways of eating and toxic diet culture. And that for sure messed us up and had an impact on the way that we feel. Like, how many people listening to this walk around every day feeling amazing about their bodies and the way that they look? Probably not many. And that's intentional, right? The less satisfied we are with our bodies, the less satisfied we are with ourselves, the more we are going to try to consume our way into worthiness or enoughness. And the stats show that this heavily impacts adults because we've been just as conditioned to buy into this propaganda. So the cosmetic industry generates about $49.2 billion a year. In 2020, there were about 5.5 million procedures done in the cosmetic surgery industry. And the weight loss industry brings in a whopping $72.5 billion a year in, in 2021. So again, we can't say like, well, this is just per- personal preference. This is innocuous. This isn't our business. Like, as a culture, we are heavily influenced by these messages. And then when we are all going along with the status quo instead of challenging it, we are part of the problem in upholding the cycle. And in terms of filters and editing apps, they are created because there's a demand for them. They are improved on because there's a demand for them. And so that brings me into the second point I wanted to make for this episode, and that is how far we've advanced in technology, which leads me to talk about TikTok's bold glamour filter. So have you heard of that or seen it? I have a TikTok, but I don't post anything on there. I just go on there to, to look at, you know, ideas for content and to just kind of see what everyone's, you know, what's trending. And this is a new beauty filter, like so many we've seen before. But what is so scary is the technology on this is so sophisticated that it's actually hard to tell it's a filter. So I went on TikTok again, just put the filter on, And this thing is like glued to your face. So, you know, if you put on the other filters, if you turn your head the wrong way, the filter can't track your face, right? So it goes off or it's a little, you know, off-centered. Or if you wave your hand in front of your hand, the filter glitches, right? Because it can't, um, because there's movement. So this filter stays put no matter what you do. I was jumping around, waving my hands in front of my face, like (laughs) squishing my cheeks together. I was doing everything I could think of to try to get this thing to glitch and it wouldn't. And again, it is so on par with the beauty standards and it is so flawless looking. It really just looks like I did an incredible makeup job, which (laughs) makeup is not like my strong suit. So that certainly wouldn't have been my doing, but it looks like I just did an incredible makeup job on a face that had already had quite a few procedures done to it you know, to start off with that kind of canvas. And I think that this is so scary and so dangerous, again, because we're already in a society that implicitly and explicitly tells us that we should hate the way that we look. And this filter not only makes it easier to change that, but it's going to be impossible to tell, which again, leads me back to why I'm kind of in favor of some of what France is proposing. And I just think we're at a point where these filters have gone way beyond creative expression and way beyond fun. And now we have this like AI version of ourselves that is exactly what the world tells us to be. And I want to ask all of us, how do we think that is impacting us mentally? 
I've said this before, but the more we use filters and editing apps like this, it makes it a lot harder to walk by the mirror and be okay with what we are seeing looking back at us because it doesn't match that online version of ourselves. And there are a lot more studies that are proving this. So as we start to realize the effect of what these unrealistic, high-pressure, digitized world is doing to us, you know, studies have found links between social media filters and lowered self-esteem, which, I mean... How could it not, right? And how people can become so consumed with striving to look like the filtered versions of themselves that it can lead to them feeling depressed or anxious or disappointed. There's another study that talks about how just five minutes on social media can impact these kinds of negative feelings. Five minutes is not a lot of time, and I know most of us are scrolling for a hell of a lot more than five minutes. I know that I am definitely guilty of getting sucked in the rabbit hole, and before I know it, 30 minutes has gone by. And so certainly, you know, the cosmetic industry, the plastic surgery industry, the idea of hyperconsumption, there are all kinds of other capitalist industries that are benefiting from us using these filters. But again, I want to ask ourselves, are we? I don't think we are, at least not in the long run. You know, we're going to get that initial high when we when we use these filters and everyone comes back commenting on how amazing we look and I think another aspect of this we need to talk about, and I think this is something that hopefully we'll be uncovering more of as time goes on, is the fact that this kind of validation and this kind of attention is addictive. Like, how are we not talking about this kind of behavior as if it is a drug? There was another study that I looked up that talks about how people fall into this vicious cycle of using filters and then actually wanting to stay online because of the validation. Again, hello, addictive which keeps them online and then less engaged with people face-to-face. So again, at the risk of sounding overly dramatic, I think these things are so unhealthy. And that actually reminds me of something. Did anyone see the Chris Rock special on Netflix? Sunny and I watched it for my husband. Sunny and I watched it for a few minutes. We were trying to actually get to the Will Smith part, but (laughs) I think because we were watching it live, we couldn't uh, couldn't fast-forward it. But... There was a part in there where he talked about how people were addicted to attention. And I was like, oh my God, he's so right. And again, I'm including myself in this. Of course, I like attention. Of course, I like the validation. It feels amazing when someone validates anything about you. And as a woman, I don't like to admit this, but I live in this world too. It feels really amazing when someone validates the way that you look. We're all human, so we're all craving that same kind of connection and validation. And so that means that we need to be extra conscious of these kind of apps and filters and procedures and behaviors because those are preying on areas of our humanity where we are seeking that kind of attention. So very last thing I want to touch on and circle back from earlier is the fact that these beauty standards, which are the same standards that the filters and the editing apps promote, are really rooted in racism and ageism and classism. You know, when we see these filters favoring these very westernized ideas of beauty, so that means big, wide eyes, slim, thin nose. Now we've got the buckle fat removal, which is trending, so that's going to be hollowed out cheekbones, lighter skin, smooth, silky hair, Um, definitely not gray hair, right? No wrinkles. So, you know, an emphasis towards youth. And then, again, in congruent with today's beauty standards, these kind of culturally appropriated aspects of beauty standards. 
So right now, the best example of that is really full lips because years ago, women who traditionally had naturally full lips, aka the Black community, sometimes the Latinx community, they were shamed for having full lips. But now once white westernized culture has appropriated that into something desirable, something to make money off of, now it's okay. So we need to be really aware of the fact that as white people, we can take these beauty standards and and use them to our benefit, use them to be beautiful, use them to make money, use them to fit in. And we don't have all of the historical trauma and backlash baggage, I guess, if you will, to go with it. You know, another thing that this touches on is classism. It is very expensive to get all of these procedures. And then a lot of these procedures you have to have done every, what, three to six months? Like, Botox doesn't last forever. The fillers don't last forever. So this touches on classism because essentially, especially if you're trying to be in line with today's aesthetic, you are broadcasting your wealth all over your face. And not a lot of people have money to do all of those things. So again, if you feel like you're struggling trying to just kind of untangle and wrap your head around all of the filters and the editing apps and the damage that they're doing and this beauty culture that we're expected to buy into, you are not alone. I'm right there with you. I think that this is just gone completely off the rails. So I hope today's episode helped you look at things in a different way. And again, if you're feeling all those things, know that you're not alone. So that's all I have for today, friends. Have a great week and I'll see you next time. Thanks so much for listening in. If you love this episode, please do me a favor and share with a friend. It helps us get the name out there so others can find the show and join the community. For more information or to connect, find us on social at Socially Misguided Podcast. And remember to follow the show so you don't miss an episode. I'm so thankful to be on this journey together and I'll see you next week.